All right. How are you getting on? You good? You will? You can't will? Oh, my God. Uh, I can't bloody stand myself sometimes. Well, that's what I should call myself. Tony can't bloody look himself in the mirror a lot recently. Well. <laughs> no, look, um, I hope you're well. And how's your granny? Is she on Slack? How's your granny for Slack? Did she get that Slack premium I sent her? You're Jonesy. Did your granny get that Slack premium I sent her? She'd really like it. No, it's better than WhatsApp. Tell her it's better than WhatsApp. Yeah, I'll hold. <laughs> yeah, just tell her it's better than WhatsApp. Um, I know she only got her head around. Is your granddad on Slack? Or is your granddad on Skype, rather? Or can I give your granddad a call on Skype? No, it's just something for your birthday. Is that all right? Can I call him on Skype, though? No, I know, but you want to... <laughs> you, will you set up Skype for him? So I can give him a call there. He forgot his password. Oh, and then he did a new password and it said you can't use an old password. Oh, my God. Anyway, I'll give him a bell now. How are you? Is that James's granddad? Look, I'm trying to... Oh, you fucking wanker. <laughs> I wanted you to see... I wanted you to see my face. I wanted you to see my face when they say you're a fucking wanker. <laughs> no, look, I don't know what this bit is. I miss, I miss live comedy. I miss live comedy. I miss figuring out if this is a bit that kills... <laughs> <laughs> or a bit they're like I'm just gonna wait for the next one that's what's great about audiences sometimes they're like okay that's cool no do you know what I have enough time that bus is a bit packed I'm gonna get the next one you know <laughs> I can do that I have the you know it'll be quicker actually because the other one will have to stop more you know what I mean sometimes it's sometimes a bus comes along and you you know do you know what even though I had to wait a bit longer this bus is probably gonna skip the queue and the other one's gonna be jammers you know so that's just uh anyway, I don't know how are you how are you are you well? Are you um are you looking forward to having some soup in the wind, baby? When you get to be, you know, have a you know, outdoor meal. An outdoor meal in Ireland, man. <laughs> that sounds great, man. Why are we here? Why are we fucking we like like we've heard of Spain, you know what I mean? Like why aren't we all living in Spain? The thing is, Roy, you'll move away, but you'll realise a crack. Just a fucking crack, you can't beat it. Which is such a fucking shame. Because you can't beat the crack. Um, It's such a shame. <laughs> it's such a shame. I'd love if we could just attach... If I became uh, a billionaire, if I, you know, um, say I invest um, in uh, Ethereum, and I become an Ethereum billionaire, or someone buys my Klongo's NFT for, you know, six to seven billion. What I'm going to try and do is put some uh, engines on Northern Ireland, right? <laughs> I'm going to put some fucking rockets on Northern Ireland, and I'm just going to just push this island, you know, just a little bit far further south, um, you know. And look, I might know the unions might kick, unionists might kick off, um, you know, but I'll still make sure there's ferries and everything going along. But I'm just, where would we actually end up? Hang on, where is due south of Ireland? One second, talking with each other. Uh, talking with each other. Uh, map of Ireland, map of map of Europe, maps Google. Hang on, let's have a look here. Uh, if we go due south, so I'm going to zoom out here. Um, due south, directly, directly south, we would end up. Um, We'd end up at the top of Spain. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. Yeah, we will be. Um, we will smash into Viviero. Um, Viviero in uh, in Luga in España. 
where it is currently a sunny uh, 16 degrees. So um, we'll smash into that anyway. Cove will merge with Vivero. Um, and we'll call it New Cove. And I will be king. And you... You will be queen. Um, just a bit of Bowie there for you because I've nothing else uh, to talk about. No, come here. Uh, me and Terry watched Endgame last night. We we capped off, uh, pardon the pun, America. Uh, we capped off um, a run of watching the MCU. I'm sure a lot of people have had that um, in, in within the year and a half of quarantine we've been in. Or whatever, year. Fuck off. Um but we capped it off there, and what, what, what a bloody flick, me! What a bloody flick! Such, a, I mean, and I just kept saying to Terry, "What an accomplishment!" I kept saying, every time you saw more than three Avengers on the screen, I was like, "What an accom- What a screenwriting accomplishment!" And I was pointing at the screen, and there was a bit at the start where it kind of shows what happens just as the snap happens, because it's the sequel to Infinity War. At the end of Infinity War, spoiler alert: everyone dies. Well, half of everyone dies, um, and. At the start of Endgame, you see Hawkeye, Clint, Barton, uh, played by Jeremy Renner, going around with them. Um, poor Linda Carnellini doesn't really get a look in in these flicks, you know? Just there. And that's maybe my main, you know, the the kind of... People take umbrage with Gwyneth Paltrow showing up at the end in the, in the Iron Man suit and, like, having the battle, you know? And some people, I call them incels, have an issue with seeing more than three women on the screen fighting... Um, you know, when all the ladies show up. But we're not talking about that right now. I've talked about that in a previous pod. That I think it's fine. And Jesus Christ, you have everything. Just give the women a scene, for God's sake. <laughs> but we're not talking about that, as I said. Um, but there's a bit at the start where Hawkeye is teaching his daughter how to uh, be a good archer. And uh, literally from walking from where they were standing to the tree, where to get her arrow back, she disappears. And then the other kids disappear. And then poor Linda Cardellini disappears, even though you wouldn't notice because she doesn't really have much to say. Um, And then, you know, Hawkeye's running around looking for his family. And then he goes sprinting into the gaff. Um, And I said, oh, dead right. I'd probably do the same thing. Just bolt right into the gaff, boot up the PlayStation 5, (laughs) and hope the Chinese hasn't disappeared. Um, (laughs) Which, which, to be fair, she she, she laughed at. But, you know, she was, "Does does he really mean that? (laughs) <laughs> Does he really mean that? Um, so that's what we watched. What an accomplishment, though. It was great. I uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was probably the best cinema experience ever was Endgame, the final battle, you know? And it's just so much fun. You don't expect it to be fun. You know, they had all the, the dark time. And it, something just to, to, to keep in mind, and I say this if you're, if, you're a fan, if you're a fan of anything, if anything you've ever just enjoyed and you're nervous about the next steps some franchise or a band might take with a new album, Take the time when you have it. When think when something's going good, like an album's released, a TV show has a great episode, and you think to yourself, this is the fucking best thing on TV. This is the best band right now. This is the best album of 2021, you know? Just take a second just to just breathe that in, okay? And just know that everything will eventually be ruined, and that's fine. That's fine. Right now... I mean, I would probably... I'm not talking about Captain America or Falcon the Winter Soldier right now, but, I mean, for the most part of the MCU, it's great, you know? Capped with Endgame, as far as I'm concerned. I'll put WandaVision as a kind of floating eye above the pyramid, right? But for the most... for you know, Everything's good, right? It's good. It's wrapped up. It's wrapped up in a nice little neat package, right? 
the character arcs have been explored and overexplored and explored again and then given a satisfying, in some cases sad, bittersweet endings. It's perfect. Not yeah. It's as it's as perfect as a twenty-three film franchise can get, you know? Um so it will be ruined, but it will be ruined. You know, it'll be ruined because no doubt Robert Downey Jr. will come back. He'll make another loss like Doolittle. And then they'll be like, shit, I am not used to not being told how great I am and how. Uh, and look, that's fine. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I would. You know what I mean? I've, th- I've thought about bringing Plume back. Of course, I thought about bringing Plume back, you know, <laughs> and if I had no other choice, if I had no other choice, if I if I had been just a TikToker and Plume had blown up. And I was like, fuck, what do I do now? And I, you know, I, you know, and then I saw, which is so cutthroat, that TikTok is where it's, there's so, such a dramatic difference in how, what video, how, how videos can be popular versus unpopular. I would have been like, right, I got to bring, bring Plume back or get me tits out, you know? Um, so I understand where he might be coming from, but he's probably going to come back. He's going to look for a payout that's going to be in excess of 100 million in some capacity that is going to cripple the film's, you know, creative freedom uh, and it'll be a subpar flick I don't see John Favreau coming back for an Iron Man I don't see the Russo brothers coming back because they have a near perfect you know run in Marvel you know they probably have as much money as you could probably get as a director you know they probably just want to make for the sake of making um, Chris Evans will come back he won't want to you know you know everyone's got these satisfying character arcs just take a second if you enjoy that, just to be like, it's good now, you know, and remember this feeling and remember that you have access. I was watching RuPaul's Masterclass <laughs> and RuPaul, uh, RuPaul was saying that Ru realized that she uh, went to a therapist and the therapist said in the early 90s, Ru, do you really now RuPaul for me is Oprah, right? If Oprah is your bag or if. Like, RuPaul for me would be like the, um, you know, people like love Jocko Willink and people love, you know, kind of uh, hard but firm motivators. Um, That's a bit too hard for me. I like RuPaul. RuPaul is just everything you do already is fucking amazing. And you get to deserve to feel great about whatever it is that you are and that you are magic and that there is a spell and that you are just, you have not even tapped you. He's like, RuPaul's like the secret with Oprah in drag, you know. And Ru was saying <laughs> that that her therapist said, you do realize that the power that you feel when you walk out on a runway or you walk out doing a live show or a lip sync in your drag, you have access to that power when you're outside of drag. Um, and similarly, you at your best, you do have access to that in however, but a lot of the time you just need the right setting. You need the right frame of mind. You need the right context to acquire it again. I'm not talking about that exactly, but I am saying that you have access to the joy that the end of the Avengers films made you feel when it inevitably is destroyed, you know? You, did you ever watch Art Attack and you're watching Neil Buchanan and he's making something? And then all of a sudden he's like, he's going for something expressionist. And maybe it's like a snowman with like cotton buds. He would never do anything so, you know, rudimentary. Um, and then all of a sudden he just fucking 
douses it in sparkles and you're like you fucking ruined it he ruined it he had something good going there and he ruined it <laughs> you know but he's going for some sort of expression just remember what it looked like with all this, the cotton buds on it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you have access to that memory and that feeling whenever you want, you know? And you have access to the feeling of Captain America picking up Thor's hammer, Monier, you know, and smashing in Thanos' face. You have access to remembering that and not, you know, where he's like, we're going to space again? What? Oh, my God. I guess you can call me Captain Space now, you know? Whatever, whatever happens, you know what I mean. Anyway, um, <laughs> I hope you're well, and I am excited about this part. In the uh, spirit of Bialtana, um, as you know, I celebrate Bialtana and Sawan and Imbolc and the other one. Um, can't remember what it is because I'm a badass neo pagan, and I raise my family in the neo pagan way. Um, no, but I'd love to be. Um. So Bialtana and Samhain, it tends to be the witchiest days of the year, where the veil of this realm and the other world seem to kind of thin slightly, allowing in all sorts of tricksters and goblins and bloody ninjas or what have you. Um, <laughs> I listened to, there was this, I think I've talked about it in the pod before, there was a Viggo Mortensen, I watched this, like, Lord of the Rings making of, uh, making of the game, because it was an added feature on the Lord of the Rings DVD. And Viggo Mortensen, was like doing his bit to the camera and to kind of promote this game. And he's like, see, hey, you can play as me, Aragorn, and fight your, I don't know, ninjas or whatever. <laughs> he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know what they're called. He was probably looking at the Urukai and the Orcs and the Ents being like, don't even fucking tell me what they're called. I'm in and I'm out. <laughs> I don't care. You know, people talking to him about him and Eowyn and that, you know, necklace that she gives him. And he's like, I don't fucking remember what you're talking about. <laughs> but anyway... On uh, in Bialtana and in Saun, um things tend to pass between this realm and the next. So what I was originally going to do in the spirit of Bialtana was list off my top five cryptids. These are the top five um, potential animals or monsters that may or may not exist. These are animals yet to be adopted to whatever the animal equivalent of a Pokedex is. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Fucking zoological uh, journal. I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but then I thought, but then there was another thing, a few other things. There were things from history. There was geographical things that I've been reading about the last couple of weeks. Just weird witchy shit. So I don't know what this part is, but here's a list of some of the witchiest shit that I'm into at the moment. But before we get on to that, I would like to thank my sponsor of this podcast, the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. Look, as you know, the Dubliner is a cool, disruptive distillery out of the heart of the Liberties. They're a contemporary, sexy brand. <laughs> and they have a great taste in whiskey. That, is, again, as you know, is an Irish whiskey, but it is aged in bourbon casks. Give it a hint of sweetness. I use it in Irish whiskey cocktails. I use it in bourbon cocktails. I was drinking um, whiskey and, um, and ginger ale over the weekend. And it's lovely and refreshing. The Japanese have a drink called a highball, which I also am very partial to, which is just one shot of... Uh, whiskey just filled up with sparkling water and loads of squeeze of lemon and it is very refreshing whiskey is not necessarily considered a summer drink but it's probably one of my favorite summer drinks and no better than with the dubliner but you know all that <laughs> you know all this but what you might not know because i've been doing a bit of digging on this website um irish history for fucking legends.org and i'm trying to look for mentions of dubliner irish whiskey which i believe firmly is the original recipe 
where this stems from. No one knows where they got this blasted recipe. And I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. And I'm going to sell it like plankton in SpongeBob when I find out. But I've been looking it up and I have been talking about uh, kind of an ancient Irish uh, folklore mythology when I've seen Dubliner Irish whiskey being mentioned. But I saw an interesting mention here uh, in uh, from the 23rd of April, 1014, which the amateur historians amongst you will know was the Battle of Clontarf. I'll read here, it says, um, In 1013, Mael Morda, the King of Leinster, joined forces with the Vikings. United by a love of shit whiskey, they tried to flog their wares to Mael Shachlan, the King of Meath. When he had a taste of this whiskey, it tasted so shit and like Bornamona that he summoned the help of Brian Baru, who was an advocate for tasty, accessible whiskey from Dublin with a hint of sweetness. So the two leaders met before the battle, and Mail Morda said, Brian, just say that our peat bog-flavoured whiskey is better, and Brian said, never! And this resulted in the bloodiest day in ancient Ireland. But it was also a route for King Brian. And although 4,000 of his troops lay dead on the battlefield over this petty grievance over whiskey, uh, there were 6,000 Leinster men and Vikings who were slaughtered, including every single Viking leader. And as the ships carried their dead away on the sea at Clontarf, Brian gazed upon all of the dead. And he said, it was worth it for this tasty Dovrinich Irish whiskey. So look, I don't know if that's related. <laughs> Do you like these? Do you like these little story lessons? Are they, even if they're crass <laughs> with product placement? Do you enjoy them? Let me know. Anyway, in the meantime, let's get into some witchy shit here on Tony Cantwell's Shit Show. It's Tony Cantwell's Shit Show. That dress looking scandalous And you're eating so much butter from a butter dish And you're eating a lot of butter right in your dins And I put a buttercup right under your chin And now, ooh, 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 eating lots of butter Ooh, 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 my heart is a flutter I'm getting a big pain in my chest And I'm looking at your girl cardiac arrest Don't eat butter Too much, at least <laughs> I'm getting back in the, I'm getting back in the field here. I'm going to release a rap album I've decided now next year Um, But enough about that Let's talk, um, it's fucking pissing down out there. Do you ever get it, uh, when it's raining, it used to be when it would, would rain, I would feel del- a sense of delight, because it would validate me sitting in my hole, drinking a two-liter bottle of Coke on an inflatable bit of furniture. This is when I was 15, uh, doing a speedrun of Metal, uh, Metal Gear Solid. That would be, on a, on, a, on a rainy day, fine. Thank God I don't have the pressure. Um... Sunny day would just get me down, being like, oh, now I'm going to have to do this in the dark. You know what I mean? Even though I was already in the dark. But now I'd feel bad about being in the dark. But now it's just when it rains, it's just, Jesus Christ, have I, am I in a temple of doom? Because these walls are looking very close together all of a sudden. Hello, what's going on? I hope I, hope I, I, hope I can grab my hat before these four walls close in on my head. You know what I mean? So, um, 
yeah, pissing down. Someone must, someone must have stepped on a spider. <laughs> oh, poor fella, poor flat fucker. Because <laughs> it's raining. Do you ever hear that superstition? I'll do a podcast on superstitions, including buttercups and whether uh, you do in fact like butter from one being under your chin. But that's not right now. We're not talking about the superstition. We're talking about the supernatural, the witchy shit. Even though we're not really, but it's weird shit I meant at the moment. Um, so look, here's one for you. Uh, are you are you au fait with a puka? I'm sure you are. Are you familiar with the puka? The puka is one of my favorite Irish cryptids. We covered it on my podcast, Sexy Beasts. If you don't know what a cryptid is, I've already explained. A puka is like a shapeshifter. And Donnie Darko is one. Uh, Harvey from the movie with uh, Jimmy Stewart. Who's this, who's this bunny in the wood? Who's this bunny shadow? <laughs> um, that's one. Um, they also appeared in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. They adopt the form of a horse or a dog or a rabbit, famously, uh, or a ghost or a goblin, even an old man. And they can be told, they, you know it's a puka because it's jet black with these kind of luminescent uh, golden eyes. And what I like about the puka is the fact that they can speak. So they have the human tongue. And um, it's one of these things with leprechauns where... You know, you got leprechauns in all different county in Ireland. And some of them are the one, boozy ones who drink wine from your cellar. Some of them are cobblers. Some of them know where the gold is. You know, Puka is kind of just this uh, jet black mischievous uh, creature. But also just can't, will not, and this is where I have an affinity with it, stop burning the ear off you. So this is the thing. I read this. Um, this is from uh, Your Irish yourirish.com um, the meaning of puka pronounced puka is from the old Irish word puka which means goblin uh, and there, there are many variations of spelling of puka including p-u-fada p-i-l uh, p-h-u fuka you fuka some fuka prick was chanting to me all night it was a puka he said it was a puka <laughs> no it was a fuka in my prick <laughs> um, it's possible the origin also comes from the Scandinavian word puk uh, or puke, uh, meaning nature spirit. One of the more fa- one of the more popular ones you might have seen was when um, in Darby O'Gill and the Little People, when the black horse goes up the hill because they love hills, they love running around. You know, we all do, we all do. We'd love a garden. Do you know what I mean? Very much like the millennial dub right now. Would love a garden. Um, <laughs> so, um, so they love a big open space, and they're they're people are terrified of. Them. They're terrified all over Ireland. But they're the most fe- feared of the ASC, the, of the fairy folk, um, because of their their reputation for trickery and mischief. But if you if you hear the stories that they get up to, it's nothing too bad. You know what I mean? Compared to like, oh, we just swapped out your kid for like a fake demon spawn. You know, they're not really that bad. So here's some of the stuff the puka might get up to. Um... So when uh, a puka is in its horse form, <laughs> sounds like me eating a fucking mega box. <laughs> Engaging horse form. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Please don't come in. Please don't. I'm eating there in here alone in horse form, eating Chinese. <laughs> don't come in. Um, but when a puka is in horse form, um, <laughs> this thing is. That's I'm just in horse form at the moment. I don't even know why anymore. I'm just in absolute horse form at the moment. Uh, Get out of it, I'll get out of it. Uh, no, when a puka's in horse form, he tends, um, he tends to have fun. Because we're just having fun by inviting a rider to jump on his back. You, sir, there, jump on my back. <laughs> jump on my back. Um, 
This usually happens when the rider has had a little bit too much to drink and is making his weary way home from the pub. Thus starts the wildest trip the rider's ever been on. Um, For the puka loves to terrify the rider with its great prowess, jumping over hedges and rocks and making death-defying leaps. Come the great dawn, the rider is thrown off at the horse's back and left trembling with none the worse from the night's events to find his own way home. Um... Sounds like the fucking Nightlink, if you ask me. Sounds like a Nightlink. Huh? No, you know, you're just walking home drunk. You're like, oh my god, what's this? Oh, a magic way to get home. Oh, great. Oh my god, I've never been more terrified in my life. And here I am now. I don't know why I'm in Santry. I don't know why I got off in Santry. Um, <laughs> and my phone battery's gone. What, what I've realized from Googling various uh, mythological creatures, or at least lo- more kind of folklore, kind of superstitious fairy sightings and stuff like that, is that. Uh, Normally, normally, how when they're spotted, it happens at night. It usually happens when someone's walking home. I mean, just that as being a given, they're fucking hammer drunk. Do you know what I mean? If this happened two hundred years ago, someone's just walking anywhere. You're hammer drunk, right? You were hammer drunk in the sixties playing, you know, football for Ireland. What do you think you're doing? You know, two hundred years ago, walking back from two shitty places, having a shitty life. You're definitely drunk, right? So you're walking home. Uh, and they also seem to happen, they also seem to conveniently, and this is where you got to put your little conspiracy theorist hat on, when they can, can you know, conveniently absolve the storyteller of potential wrongdoing. Now, whether that's on the lighter end of things of staying too late in the pub, the medium level of things of stealing a horse, <laughs> riding it around the neighbor's garden and not wanting to be in trouble about it in the morning, right? Or the more extreme of just... I need to now make up a story because I embarrassed myself so much last night. Do you know what I mean? Like the same sort of logic that when you come in to, wor- to work late but angry, it's like, look, mate, you can't be any more angry than I am now right now. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't believe the fucking puka I had to ride to get here. It left me having Santry. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but, it, you know, this guy could have been walking home from the pub. He could have made a fucking holy show of himself. He could have spit. You know when you spill like three drinks? And you don't feel drunk. And you're like, I don't know why my hand is not doing this. You know? And then someone's like, maybe don't drink wine anymore. Hey, buddy, maybe don't drink any more wine there, pal. Hey, buddy. You know, that kind of vibe. And you're just like, like, like make, you're so fucked, you're making up rumors about people uh, who are at the table. You know, this fucker right here. See this fucker here. I'm like, fucking kick this fucking head in. You know, that sort of bad drunk. And then they're like, mate, you just... And then your mates are just like, look, mate, you got to go home. And you're actually so far past the line of us giving a shit about you that we're not even going to, like, worry about you getting home safe and like that. We actually kind of hope you end up in a ditch but don't die. You know what I mean? You know you have a friend and you're like... And then eventually they just leave. And you're kind of like, I hope they go home safe. But I also kind of hope that they end up in, like, a field eating flowers in the morning. Do you know what I mean? And then and then they have to kind of get home, like a minor punishment, because they really took it too far, you know. Um, but then if that person comes to you the next night and you live in an environment where these kind of superstitious stories can foster and you believe everything, so you're also the most gullible. So someone says, here, about last night, and you're like, oh, here we go, here's the apology. Uh, a magic horse fucking took me on a joyride. And you're like, oh, my God, are you okay? I don't even know why I'm angry at you, you know? You did say you were going to kick my head in. Uh, you were saying that to my wife. You were saying to my wife last night. And I don't know why you thought that she wouldn't confide in me that story. But I've heard about the puka now. And Jesus, are you all right? Are you okay? 
you're back in the crew. Bring that story with you. Do you know what I mean? Um, you're no, you know, I know, I know you must be feeling absolute horse form this morning. So look, I'll let it slide. Um, so this may, this is maybe what, where the reputation slips a bit, Pukas. While on a wild night out, um, they tend to run through crop fields and knock down fences without a care. Sure. Sounds like a bunch of fucking jerks. You know? It wasn't me. Look, I didn't steal your fucking horse. It was a puka. Are you messing? Why would I do that? Another another explanation for this is you got so drunk, you genuinely thought that from a wild horse was like, get on my back. Get on my back. Get on my back. And you're like, what? Okay. This is crazy, but I will. I don't even feel drunk. I know I spilled three glasses of wine, but I don't even feel drunk. This is great. Whoa! You know, I mean, you would go on a wild ride, but then to jump on a wild horse's back and be thrown off and be like, this isn't my gav. <laughs> it's insane. That is insane. I'd be like, you won't believe I haven't been last night. I was haunted <laughs> by a fairy. <laughs> I got on a wild horse's back and it didn't take me to my gaff. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, but man, I'm so sorry about that. You're back in the crew. Um, so the puka is very... Re- this, 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 the, the, the horse form... Of the puka is very reminiscent of the cryptid, the tikbalang. The Philippines uh, have some of the wildest uh, cryptids. Maybe I'll do a whole episode on them because they have some of those incredible cryptids. Because what they already had with these, because all the little islands, the little archipelagos or whatever they're called, archipelagos, um, they all have their own little culture and their own customs, and there's thousands of them. Um, and if you don't have a boat, you kind of have your own, you know, you know, petri dish of culture essentially. So what they have is crazy superstitions and for each island. But then when the Spanish came in the 1500s, they brought Christianity with them. And they basically just took every single, you know, sprite or fairy or superstition, superstitious creature. And they documented it and said, they're all the devil. <laughs> they're all evil and they're all the devil. I don't want to hear that one is for love, one is for, you know, uh, trickery, one is for peace and war or whatever it is all of your little kind of demigods and deities and demons and everything are are dev- are the devil right um and here's a sin that i can link directly with that so it fucked the whole the whole folklore of it all um but as a result of that they have just they're terrified of so many different ones the 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 aswang uh the tikpalang and they all have amazing names like that so I'll maybe do a, I'll do a, a, a pot on that in the future. But it's very reminiscent of the Tikbalang. The Tikbalang is a sexy horseman. Uh, just imagine the sexiest horseman that uh, the you know that a furry drew on DeviantArt, and that is that is what the, the Tikbalang is. Um, right. So as well as them being horses, um, look, they also love a good chat, guys. They're somewhat somewhat of a rag rack like myself. Huh? Um, so another thing the Puka loves, as with all of us Irish ragaroks, is uh, they love to chat. And they will happily stop you and shoot the breeze with you, sometimes giving great advice and making exceptional prophecies. But he'll put the fucking how 150 to one on the cunt. He's a Puka like myself. He'll run rings around you. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Where'd you get that bit? I lost everything. <laughs> this chat, this fucking horse I was chatting down the road told me. <laughs> anyway, in some rural areas you will see houses that of a bench on the right side of the door and the gatepost on the right side will be smooth whereas the left will be a, a, a rockery or some sort of uncomfortable mound this is because a good puka will always sit on the right and a mischievous sprite will favor the left that'll be some episode of grand designs now getting that rockery installed a big fucking rockery there on the left there why does it have to be on the left so the horse or a puka it's a horse so, so a horse won't come what are you talking about you fool <laughs> um 
So if you get approached by a puka, um, they normally have the same, normally the same chat, you know, predictable chat. They, uh, they'll, this will be their opening line. Apparently, they'll say, "You're new here, I think. Many years ago, I used to live in this house." <laughs> um, that's John. You know that sounds like that sounds like an episode of remember the diary show on MTV. And this is the diary of Christina Aguilera. You think you know, but you have no idea. This is the diary of Chris Rock. And it would follow them around for like a couple of hours or whatever, or a week, and document everything. And whenever it was like a starlet or like um, or some big teen star, they would always like go back to their like house or go back to like, you know, an impoverished area and be like, go into their house again and kind of look at their old like basically what basically rocking up at someone's house being like, can I show this film crew what a shitty gaff I used to live in, you know? So that's the kind of vibe that this book is going for. Uh, apparently, one of their favorite topics is how the family lost its fortune. Or was swindled out of their money and lands. That sounds like me old lad. That sounds like me old lad driving through <laughs> driving through South County Dublin. See that gaff Joe Mitchell was in the boom times? Now they're having a fucking pot to piss in, son. <laughs> that's what they'll tell me. You know, the fucking business went belly up, you know. Um, and the funny thing about chatting with a puka is um, you may have sat and chatted with him for an hour, but then he suddenly disappears without saying goodbye, and they never say goodbye. You'll be left wondering if the past hour was even real. That sounds like me on every work night out I've ever been <laughs> ever been on. Having these deep, meaningful conversations and then leaving abruptly without saying goodbye to anyone. You know, you know, just because you can really do a good Irish goodbye when you're collectively kind of friends with everyone. You know what I mean? If you're like, if you have one kind of pillar best mate, you kind of do have to say goodbye. But I'd be there like, man, it's great having these chats, man. This is great. We should fucking do this more often. Like, why are we all so uptight in work? And then just gone. Was the last hour even real? He invited me over. He invited me to his wedding and took it back. Um, they never leave. There was ne- they never leave any sign that they were there. Okay, that is the puka, one of my favorite um, folklore uh, beings, fairy sprites. Um, and this, this sound like sound like all around good guys. Now let me tell you about one of my favorite places, and that is the island of High Brazil. High Brazil. Are you familiar with High Brazil? So High Brazil, uh, no relation to Brazil, uh, which. <laughs> I was actually chatting to a Brazilian um, and I, you know, you know, you know, when you're sitting on something that you want to say and but you haven't found the kind of avenue to get in and then the chat has kind of moved on and you saying this now would kind of be quite abrupt. And then you're kind of doubting, was it even interesting in the first place? And now you haven't been saying anything because you've been waiting to say this one thing, this fact about Brazil or this thing about Brazil, and now the conversation's moved on. And you actually kind of look like you're not having a good time <laughs> because you haven't said that in, in like five minutes because you're like, hey. it's no, the funny thing, but, no, just think, think, about, think about Brazil. <laughs> and people are already moved on. They're, they're talking about fucking Marty Morris here or something like that. Like, Remember we were talking about Brazil there? And you just have to abruptly, and everyone's like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and my fact was, uh, I think I've even said it on this podcast, is how um, is how weird it is that people call it Brazil and not Brazil because it's not that hard to say Brazil. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like what's uh, what's French for is England Angleterre? You know that's very different to England. You know, and it's in French. But to go from the Portuguese of Brazil to the English of Brazil, why aren't we just calling it Brazil? I understand we don't we're, we get a bit shy with Spain. We don't want to say España because we don't want to do the lisp. Um, even though we should call it España, you know, uh, or France, you know. But um, Deutschland, you know. But uh, 
Brazil, we can can we not just all call it Brazil? Is there any language, any country that's having difficulty with that? You know what I mean. So I was trying to say that to get him on side, but it was just the conversation had moved on dramatically. Hi Brazil is not related to Brazil. I know Hi Brazil is very interestingly. There is an island off the west coast um, of Ireland, or at least potentially there used to be. Um, I'll, I'll actually I'll, I'll read the I'll read the the copy. This is from ancientorigins.net. It'll do a better justice. So, High Brazil is a mysterious island that appears on maps, and a lot of maps, from 1325 to the 1800s, where it doesn't appear again. It's an Irish myth where it's said to be clouded in mist except for one day every seven years where it becomes visible, um, but still can't be reached. Um, kind of like kind of like the Skelligs, but um, invisible. Not like that there's choppy weather. Because that's the whole thing with Skelligs. You can, you know, there's maybe like five days out of the year apparently you can go because it has to be like perfect weather conditions you know but I tell you I'd love to go down there you know me as a dub and tell those people out west how it really you know how we should really be doing things you know go down there and be like hey hey hey, mate I don't know how to do things out here west right but I'm from Dublin and where I come from cash is king right and I take out a big wad I just have to I'll empty, empty every bank account right I take out a big wad take out the deposit for the gaff I'm like hey see that hey hey <laughs> and wave in his face hey take me up to the Skelligs I want to see how big a puffin is in real life. I hear they're tiny. I keep thinking they look the same height as penguins. Here. Uh, cash is king. <laughs> ah, no, of course. Um, no, it's it's kind of like the skeleton. But anyway. Um, so, stories about the island have circulated throughout Europe for centuries with tales that it was the promised land of saints or a paradise where an advanced civilization lived. This is the fucking shit I'm talking about. We have this. This is ours. We're not having to. We're not having to. You know, go to America for this shit. America doesn't have any of this shit. We have this. This is ours. Uh, on most maps, the island is located roughly 321 kilometers off the west coast of Ireland in the North Atlantic. One of the most distinctive geographical features of High Brazil is that it often appears as a circle with a channel or river running from east to west. Um, High Brazil uh, goes by a lot of names. High Brazil. High Brazil. High Breezeal and Nile Breslin. Uh, and it's derived from the name Breezeal, meaning the High King uh, in the world of Celtic history. Um, so it's first noted uh, in 1325 by a Genoese cartographer, um, and it's identified as Brazil, B R A C I L E. Um, and then again in 1375, um, where it's actually pictured as two separate islands with the river running through it, uh, called Ilha da Brasil. And then in 1436, it shows up as Sola da Brasil in a Venetian map. So what do we got here? We got fucking um, Genoese cartographers. We've got uh, Catalan cartographers. We've got, um, what did I say, Venetian cartographers. So all different places in Europe, hundreds of years apart, still spotting this place, all calling it Brasil um, with the line through it. Um so in 1480, John J. Jr., Jingleheimer Schmidt, more like, uh, departed from Bristol um, on a journey to find the fabled island, only to come back empty-handed after spending two months at sea. In 1481, two more ships, the Trinity and the George, departed on an expedition to find it with no success. But in 1497, a Spanish diplomat, Pedro de Ayala, 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 uh, Pedro de Ayala, uh, reported to the Catholic monarchs of Spain that John Cabot, who was the first European to visit North America since the Vikings, had actually met these men from Bristol. And they said that they had found Brazil, high Brazil. Um, so potentially, 
they told this man they told uh told John Cabot that they actually had gone um and didn't tell their benefactors maybe they saw something that they didn't want their patrons to to know about maybe they wanted to go back who knows but nearly two centuries later scottish sea captain john nisbet claimed to have spotted high brazil on his voyage from france to ireland in uh, 1674 and he sent a party of four ashore and they spent the day there and there they claimed to have met a wise old man who provided them with gold and silver and strangely the captain said the island was inhabited by large black rabbits potentially a puka, uh, and mysterious, uh, a mysterious magician who lived in a large stone castle by himself. It's not just fucking brilliant, isn't it? We have our own Atlantis, just 230 uh, kilometres uh, off uh, west of Ackle, right? We have that. And what's on it? A load of big fucking black rabbits and a magician. That's what we have. We have that. And we're... The, that's, a, that's a failing of false Ireland now, that we're not, uh, you know, out... We're looking for fungi. Why are we looking for high Brazil? Do you know what I mean? Anyway. Um, so it kind of fell into anonymity then after that. So um, as attempts to find it failed again, map makers just started leaving it off. All the, the nautical charts. Uh, it was last observed in a map in 1865 where it's just known as Brazil Rock. And the last documented sighting was in 1872 by Robert O'Flaherty uh, and TJ Westrop. Westrop claimed to have visited the island on three previous occasions and was so captivated he even brought his family there to see it in person. They all witnessed it appear out of nowhere only to see it vanish again before their very eyes. So here's where it gets interesting into what it really is. Now before I get into what what people think it is, what, what I'm what I'm captivated, because I like to make up my own revisionist history, <laughs> you know, uh, I like to just like think that dragons appearing all over the world is some sort of link with uh, interdimensional reptilians um even though there's no you know i have not it's a very tenuous link that i'm that you know i don't want to google too hard in case it completely dispels it but similarly with uh with high brazil off the west coast uh what i like about it is that we there's there's a in, in folklore, they used to say that if someone died, that their soul would kind of... I mean, there's loads of fucking... There's loads of afterlives. There's loads of other worlds. I mean, if you want to talk about fucking multiverse shit, like Ireland's got so much. You've got our own equivalent of Valhalla, where the kind of noblemen and warriors go. You've got Tirnanog, where the fairies will live and dance forever, you know. And then I think for just feeble mortals, it was Tecduina, right? There's this island off the coast, the west coast of Ireland, that they believed all the souls would travel. They believed all the souls traveled out west. And that the souls would go to Tectoina, which is called the House of Dawn. Like Dawn, the God of Death. Um, like Chalk of Dawn, the House of Tectoina. Not like, it's not like fucking Versace, Versace or like that, you know what I mean? It's just the House of Dawn. And that's where the souls would go. Now, I'm not saying the High Brazil is Tectoina. Because I think they've actually attributed that to a different rock. But two cool mythological uh, islands off the coast of the west uh, that sounds that that sounds pretty badass but this is what people kind of believe and it gets super super witchy um so there are many myths and legends surrounding high brazil i think i've accredited this, uh, this article here this is from ancientorigins.net an actual website not like irish history for fucking legend.org um so there's a lot of myths and legends around high brazil uh, some of them the island is home to the gods of irish lore um the um the the tour of the dawna uh, in others it is inhabited by priests and monks rumored to hold ancient knowledge which allowed them to create an advanced civilization some think that it's also saint brendan's um 
or rather some people think that St. Brendan's famous voyage to find the promised land was actually high Brazil. Uh, in one famous UFO encounter, I fucking love this, right, uh, known as the Rendlesham Forest Incident, where a, um, a strange craft is reported to have landed outside a U.S. military base in the U.K. And Sergeant Jim Penistown, Peniston, Penistown, Penistown, what is it, Captain? And it's, by the way, it's Peniston. Uh, he claims to have touched uh, the craft and telepathically received 16 pages of binary code into his mind. He wrote down the code the next day and had it translated decades later. And the code said that it was listing very specific coordinates of high Brazil and listed the location where ancient cartographers had mapped it for hundreds of years. And it also listed the coordinates of several other ancient sites, including the Pyramids of Giza and the Nazca Lines. And at the very bottom of the message, the coordinates of High Brazil were listed again with the origin year of 8,100. So what do you think of that? <laughs> do you believe now? Do you believe now? Because I do. That's all I need. Now, now the, the skeptic will listen to that and think, Okay, I don't even know where to begin in telling you the level of horseshit you've just said, right? A man saw a, spa- a strange craft. Did anyone else see the craft? Did um, he telepathically received binary code? Did he show anyone else the binary code before decades later he had it translated? Did they say hi Brazil by name? What exactly? People are always looking for exact. But for me, you know, for a skeptic, they hear that and they're like, you may as well have said, I had a dream where, and then I stopped listening. Do you know what I mean? But for me, it's like, oh, no, UFO. Okay, unreal. Binary code, that's something I can't originally speak. And then they translated it. Oh, my God, we're getting Indiana Jones now. And it's saying, hi, Brazil. Oh, my God, that's the name of the place. What does it say about it? Well, it also put it in this geographical location. Oh, my God, is that the same? Yes, exact same as the maps. Oh, my God. And they also talked about Giza. Why? Don't know. Isn't that class? And what year was it? The fucking future. I am here for it, and I'm loving it. But I know it's not to every skeptic's taste. So here's a more realistic interpretation of what it could be. Um, Well, that's not explaining it, but that's just fucking cool as fuck. So Atlantis. (laughs) I love starting sentences. Atlantis. I'm just seeing who who still wants to hear me talk. While Atlantis might be the most famous lost civilization, High Brazil is actually better documented. It's actually better documented and is more eyewitness accounts. Hi, Jason Momoa. It's Tony Cowell here. How you doing? Hey, can I get a question for Jason Momoa for Comic-Con? Hi, Jason Momoa. It's Tony Cowell here from Ireland. Have you heard of High Brazil? Okay, so it's actually got more eyewitness accounts, and it's actually got um, more like it's actually more evidence than Atlantis. So I'm just wondering, are you are you talking shit? Like, you should you know should you not be like the king of High Brazil? <laughs> um, no. So the legend of Atlantis could actually be a story that was passed down through generations from the end of the last ice age when sea levels were lower. So there's this place called the Porcupine Bank, and no, I'm not talking about the AIB for hedgehogs. I'm saying um, it's a bank. I don't think that's like a bit a bit of land underwater. And it was discovered in 1862, and it appears to have been an island at some point in time. It was, um, it's 120 miles west of Ireland, and it's a shoal uh, that gets exposed at extreme low tide, exactly where the 1830 chart of Brazil Rock was located. Um, and um, the bank's highest point is around 200 meters below sea level. Uh, and was sunk either due to a catastrophe or rising sea levels. And that's already there. And like Jason Moe, that's actually already there. So like... Um, today, no such island called High Brazil exists. Apart from my Animal Crossing island, which I called High Brazil. Hit me up in the Discord if you want to have access to my island. I need some apples. I only have oranges on there. Um, and today, there's no uh, yeah, no island called High Brazil. Um, 
and doesn't appear on any maps or nautical charts. But it was there for 500 years. Mainstream historians simply consider it a case of mistaken identity. Well, that's not going to fly with me. I will find you, high Brazil. Mark my words. I'll be known for three things in my life. Plune, winning the Eurovision in 2023, and being the man or envy to locate... Well, I'm a man. I'm identifying as a man. Um, who ident- uh, whatever. I, <laughs> Brazil. But look, we already have a mythological fairy. We already have a mythological island. Let's base something here in the real world. And let us set our sights here to 1830s Victorian London. Have you ever heard the story of spring Hill Jack? You've heard of spring Hill Jack? So the 1830s in London was a interesting time, right? You had people from all all the countries all over the place. You had tenements upon tenements. You had a shitload of Irish. You had, like, it was an actual cesspool in that there was even, you know, some buildings just were, had, were built on top of open sewers. You know, it was just an insane time. But it was also a very superstitious time. For whatever reason, the 1830s, there had been just a shitload of ghost sightings. Everyone just got really spooked. Everyone thought that ghosts were out. And the Met, like the proper London Met, were were exploring all of these. So much so there had to be like the the mayor of London speaking about what they're doing to do about the ghost epidemic, right? So you had a combination of the superstitions uh, of, of, you know, everyone being so superstitious about ghosts. And also kind of Jack the Ripper lights going around. Lads who weren't killing but we're definitely running around, you know, being a couple of being a bit grabby goosey and then running away, right? So imagine a combination of the superstition of ghosts and these grabby gooseys. You would today would call them rapists, right? Um, these lads, kind of, uh, kind of merging of the two, um, was this guy Springheeled Jack. So Springheeled Jack was described by the people who claimed to see him um, as having this kind of sort of diabolical, devilish appearance, clawed hands, eyes that were like balls of red fire. Um, and one report claimed that he wore a black cloak and a helmet that was so tight-fitting that it looked like uh, an oil skin. Like, you know, like the traditional devil hat. You know the devil hat where it's kind of like slick back and he got the kind of moustache? That kind of, that kind of uh, you know, that kind of vibe. And said he was tall and thin with the appearance of a gentleman. But other people said he could breathe fire and breathe out blue and white flames and that he had sharp metallic claws on his fingertips. Um, and he was able to speak comprehensible English. So some of the sightings. According to um, some accounts, in October 1837, a girl by the name of Mary Stevens was walking in Lavender Hill uh, when she was working as a servant after visiting her parents in Battersea. On her way through Clapham Common, a strange figure leapt from a dark alley. After immobilising her with a tight grip of his arms, he began kissing her face and touching her flesh with his claws, which were, according to her uh, deposition, cold and clammy as those of a corpse. In a panic, she screamed, making the attacker flee from the scene. And the commotion brought several residents who immediately launched a a search for the aggressor, but he couldn't be found. The next day, a chap matching the description um, uh, jumped in the way of a passing carriage. uh, This is near Mary Stevens' home, causing the coachman to lose control, crash, and severely injure himself. And then several witnesses claimed that he escaped by jumping over, this is where the spring heels come in, a nine-foot fucking wall while cackling in a high-pitched ringing laughter. <laughs> you never catch me, Springfield Jack! Springfield Jack! Not Springfield Jack. Not Springfield Jack. Gradually, the news of the strange character spread, and he soon became known to the public as Springfield Jack. <laughs> Then there was another case reported on the night of 19th of February, 1837, where Jane Alsop answered the door of her father's house to a man claiming to be a police officer. 
He told her to bring a light, claiming they've to have caught Springheel Jack in the lane. She brought the person uh, a candle and noticed that he wore a large cloak. The moment she handed it to him, he threw off the cloak and presented a most hideous and frightful appearance, vomiting blue and white flame from his mouth, while his eyes resembled red balls of fire. She also reported that he wore a large helmet and his clothing, which appeared to be very tight, resembled white oil skin. Without saying a word, he caught hold of her, began tearing her gown with his claws, and then she was certain worse of some metallic substance. She screamed and managed to get away um, and ran toward the house. He caught her on the steps and tore at her neck and arms with his claws. She was rescued uh, by one of her sisters after he fled. Another one here. Um, on February 28th, um, just nine days after this attack, 18-year-old Lucy Scales and her sister were returning home after visiting their brother, a butcher who lived in a respectable part of Limehouse. Miss Scales stated in her deposition to the police that uh, her and her sister were passing along Green Dragon Alley. Well, it's Green Dragon Alley. What you want, a dragon? Well, you better go to a different fucking alley then, mate. Um, they observed a person standing in an angle of the passage. She was walking in front of her sister at the time and she just came up uh, to the person who was wearing a large cloak. Uh, he spurted a quantity of blue flame in her face, which deprived her of her sight, uh, and she was so alarmed that she dropped to the ground in a fit. So this lad is going around in white latex with a couple of bungee shoes, blowing Sambuca in, in ladies' faces, right? Tearing at them with his uh, pewter claws that he got in Asha in Stephen's Green, and then jumping over a wall with a... <laughs> you never catch me, you sprung a jack. Um, so look, here's the Irish connection, right? Some researchers believe that some individual slash individuals may have been behind the origins, um, and then others uh, imitated later on. But Springheel Jack was widely considered to be not a supernatural creature, not some you know alien from a uh, from a planet that has a different sense of gravity and can jump high, or some the actual devil or interdimensional alien as he might be known, um, but rather one or more people with a sick sense of humor. Uh, kind of all adopting this mantle of Springheel Jack. And this idea matches the contents of a letter to the Lord Mayor, which accused uh, a group of young aristocrats as being the culprits after an irresponsible wager. So there was a popular rumour going around in the 1840s that pointed to an Irish nobleman, the Marquis of Waterford. The Marquis? Quais? M-A-R-Q-U-E-S-S. Marquis. I'm going to say Marquis, the Marquis of Waterford, as the main suspect. So they suggested that this may have been due to uh, him having previously had bad experiences with women and police officers. So the Marquis was frequently in the news in the uh, 1830s for drunken brawling, brutal jokes, vandalism. He said he'd do anything for a bet. He had a regular behaviour. He had a contempt for women that earned him the title of the Mad Marquis. And it was known that um, he was in the London area at the time of the first instance. In 1880, um, he named he was named as the perpetrator by E. Combe Brewer, who said that the Marquis used to amuse himself by springing on travellers unawares, frightening them, and from time to time, uh, others have followed his silly examples. Uh, in 1842, he married and settled in Curramore House, County Waterford. Um, that's where Altogether Now is held, uh, and reportedly led an exemplary life until he died in a riding accident in 1859. So the next time you are all together now, or, uh, or or any kind of live event down in Curramore House in County Waterford, just know the chap who sat in the fucking big gaff there used to get dressed up in latex, put on pogo boots, wear some pewter claws he got from Asha and Stevens Green, and spit flaming sambucas in the face of women and jump over walls. Just know that that's part of our history as well. Um, so look, there you have it. Um, 
couple of witchy tales for the witchy day that it is, or the witchy week, uh, as we enter into uh, the beginning of summer post Bialtana. We have pukas out on the rolling hills of Connemara pretending to be horsemen. We have uh, islands off the west coast of Ireland that are uh, potentially either uh, where Jason Moa lives or some magician with a load of rabbits. And we have some tough twat who used to um, be a bit of a grabby goose uh, and spit sambucas in people's faces. Wow, what a history we have. And look, thank you very much. I have a couple more here, but um, do you know what? We'll save them for an upcoming episode. Well, if you like this, you like these witchy tales, you like um, these kind of more kind of fortian kind of uh, episodes, do let me know, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give you more. Um, but look, next week it's all kicking off. We're kicking off Eurovision fever, baby. Eurovision's coming up the next couple of weeks, and the next episode on the Patreon is going to be the first edition in the best of Eurovision. I'm listening to every single Eurovision song there is. I'm competing them against each other, and we're going to figure out what is the greatest Eurovision song. Part two will be over on the main feed here on Tuesday. Part one on the Patreon this Friday. And then the part three on the Patreon. And then part four, the final, will be um, on Tuesday week. So look, thank you very much. Thanks for this being my job. Thank you very much to the uh, sponsor of this podcast, the Dublin Irish Whiskey. And let's all just take a moment to stare out west to Tech Dween and think of all the franchises who will eventually die and appreciate them here while they're still alive. All the best. Take care. Don't make it